Hey, good morning. Thank you for joining us for a recent sermon from Harvest Baptist Church. I'm Mark Likens. I'm the lead pastor here at Harvest. We're a Bible-believing, gospel-centered, grace-driven church family right here in Atrona Heights, Pennsylvania. And if you'd like to learn more about our ministry, you can visit us on Facebook or at harvestbaptist.info. Now, I hope you enjoyed today's sermon. It's my prayer that this will encourage and equip you in your relationship with God. Charlie Rousey. I'm on the staff here at the Academy and the church. Uh, Pastor Mark and Maggie are away. Uh, Pastor Mark actually is on the, uh, I believe they're having a uh, family reunion. And so they left to be a part of the family reunion. And he told me, he said, listen, it's two weeks. I hate to miss church for two weeks. I said, listen, you need to do this. You need to stay there. Uh, you need to be involved with your family. Uh, Pastor Mark just does such an amazing job here. Honestly, we're very uh, we were very blessed uh, when God allowed him to come here and be our pastor. Uh, he loves you. He loves our church. He loves the word of God. And him and Maggie, are, their heart is here. And so obviously they're not here for this week. There'll be a, a special speaker next week also. Uh, make sure you're faithful to that. But this week, just drop them a note or a text, an email. Uh, just let them know you missed them. That really means a lot. I know they both, they give their, their blood, sweat, and tears here. Uh, they, are, they are dedicated to you, to this ministry, and when they're not here, I think that will just mean a lot. Uh, Pastor Mark has asked me to just give an update on the academy, and so I just want to talk to you about that just a little bit. Uh, I'm going to be, my message today is going to be uh, Be Faithful, and uh, this is going to be actually from uh, uh, Revelation chapter 2. It's the commandment that was given there to the church of Ephesus. Uh, but I, I'm hoping my slide thing here works. There we go. Uh, we're having a great year at the academy. This, well, I, this is starting my 22nd year at the academy. That's hard to believe. I was only eight years old when I started here, so that's how that worked out, just so you know. Uh, I was very young. You can't believe they hired me that young, uh, but just great things are happening. Uh, when I came here, uh, I think the academy was probably about 50. We're, uh, we're a learning center at that time. Uh, when I came, we actually made it a traditional school, and so we, we hired teachers and we tried to classrooms, uh, but the last couple of years, really, God is just doing amazing things here. Uh, this, this coming year, we are splitting our, our kindergarten class. We'll have two kindergarten classes. We're splitting our first grade class. We'll have two first grade classes. Uh, and then we were, we're closed our second and third grade class down. We just have no more room for them. Uh, when, if you were to come up here during a school day, the only room that not, will not be used by the academy is room 101. And we're allowing the, uh, the, the, that to be used for our ladies' Bible studies and things like that. They're probably going to have to be next year bringing the, uh, the, uh, the lunch into the gymnasium here. Uh, we're expecting to have about 325 students next year. Uh, if you would have told me, uh, you know, even 10 years ago, I'd have said, oh, if we ever got to 220, there's, we won't have any place to put people. So I have no idea how we did this, but God is just really working. Uh, just a great thing that happened this year. I know even my wife's class. Uh, my wife, she had 14 students profess faith in Christ this year just in her class. Uh, you know, I would say many, thank you. Mm -hmm. I would say many churches will go an entire year and not see something like that. So God has really given us an unusual opportunity uh, to take young people, to mold and to shape them, uh, prepare them for their future. And so uh, and you are a big part of that. Something we have going on there that I want to make you aware of, uh, this is our third year to do this. We have a K-3 and K-4 kindergarten program. Uh, so that Monday through Friday, uh, some of the students just come on Tuesdays. Some of the students will just come on Thursday mornings. Some students come five days a week, all day. Uh, but it's a three and four-year-old. It is not a daycare. It really is a learning environment uh, that, that very likely will fill up this year. But Amanda and Rashida head this up. And honestly, 
they just do a fantastic job. They are both superstars when it comes to this stuff. Uh, so I want to make you aware of this. Realize this, that the academy really was founded for Harvest Baptist Church. Uh, and so if you ever have need, if we can ever help you, please let us know. We bend over backwards and do everything we can to make sure that you are the most important thing here. And so just be aware of that. But this, this K3 and K4 is available. It really is growing. It's just been a great thing. Uh, those, I mean, you come in, they got these little bitty kids here now. It, it, I mean, I just love walking through the building. I love the fact that we have a ministry here that is putting its time, its energy and effort into children. I love that. Uh, something else we're doing here, matter of fact, if you were to take that entire wall out right there, on the other side of that wall, you would see this. Uh, this is our new building that we'll be building, uh, hopefully we'll have up and running uh, for, in September for the academy. The one in the back, the two-story building, is our technology center. There's some really cool things we'll be doing there. Uh, we have invested in the last, I would say, two years, probably close to $350,000 just in technology. Uh, so this is really going to be a great opportunity for us to do things. The building in the front there that you see actually is a greenhouse. Uh, so the academy is going to be running a greenhouse. Uh, we actually had a, uh, it was a, uh, uh, an agricultural truck came out. It was a semi-truck, and the kids worked in that for three days. And I mean, we just had a blast. And we're like, why don't we have something like this that the kids can do on a daily basis? And so really, this is going to be our opportunity to do that. Uh, we do have some work days on that. As a matter of fact, uh, that entire building was built with volunteer help, all of it. Uh, but uh, the, the, you can see the green, the first two weeks of July, we have very hard set volunteer days. We probably have about 35 people that will be coming out and volunteering that time. The blue, the last two weeks, we're making available to people according to their schedule. Maybe some of you in here would like to do something like that. Maybe you'd like to come out and spend three hours working, helping, uh, doing those types of things. If that's the case, please let us know. We'd love to kind of get you involved. Uh, also, with the greenhouse, something we'll be doing is uh, the students are going to be, uh, they'll be basically starting it in August. Uh, they'll be on Sunday mornings that will be open up for people to come pick up their orders that they make. They'll be selling things out there. In the spring, they'll be turning into a garden center. They'll be growing tomatoes and cucumbers and all those types of things. So really, it is also something that we have to help the church. Everything that they make off of that, all of that goes back into the greenhouse and the technology center just to make it a great place for the kids. Uh, if you have any questions about that, if you'd like to be involved in any of those things, uh, you can basically just go to Harvest Baptist Academy. That is actually right off the phone there. If you click those three little dots at the top there, I'm sure there's three little dashes, uh, you get this where it says about. Uh, you can scroll down there. It has all our staff there. I'm located on there. If you just click a button, uh, then you will be able to, to, to contact us. But I will tell you this, uh, the reason that the Academy exists, the reason that we can minister to so many students, the reason that we can see just great things happen is because of you. If it were not for Harvest Baptist Church, there would be no Harvest Baptist Academy. Uh, we are a ministry of the church. So because of your faithfulness, because of, I know many of you never see the academy. Many of you never see this place just packed with kids. But realize that, that, that we have that, and it's because of you. It's because of what you do. So the ministry that we have there, the results that we get, is a direct, res, direct result of you. So thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you for all you do to, to give us the opportunity to have a place that we can send our children for they're taught with a biblical mindset. They're taught math and science and history and reading and writing, and they're taught that very, very well. 
but they're taught from a mindset of that there is a God that's put you here, and one day you do answer to him. And that is a very, very unusual thing in our society. And it is because of you and your faithfulness. So thank you for all those things there. Uh, I am going to be bringing a message here. I do, I do speak very differently than Pastor Mark. Pastor Mark is a phenomenal speaker. Uh, he is head and shoulders above me and in, in, in really in his ability to take and, and, and teach the Bible. I am really more of an engineering mindset. As a matter of fact, my first uh, uh, idea was I was going to the military. I was going to be a, a, a nuclear engineer. They gave me a really good opportunity, but I was going to be 24 years old when I got out. And when you're 18, 24 years old, sounds like your entire life has passed before you. It's like, I'll be old and my life is gone. And so I took a different route. Uh, the military actually is going to pay my way to go to, to engineering school. Uh, so I just had to go in the military for a very short time, get training, and then I got to go out and go to college. But I did not end up going to engineering college. I ended up going to Bible college, which I never expected that. Uh, so the Lord really, really took and turned my life a very, very different way. Uh, so if I were to say an occupation I would choose, I would probably be a math teacher or I'd be a science teacher. I would I'd love to be an engineer, but I really love teaching math. I love teaching science. And so what I want to do is I really want to take... I want to give us almost like a 10,000-foot view of some ideas this morning. Our message is not going to be long. As a matter of fact, when I was in homiletics class, the statement I remember the most from homiletics is there are bad sermons. There are short sermons, but there are no short bad sermons, okay? And I will never forget that. So I'm like, I, I got that, all right? And so that being said, we are not going to be here long, okay? But all I'm doing is this. I want to show you three pictures. Two of them are almost identical, and here's the thing, they're us. The last one is a picture, but, we, but it, there's, there's, there's no photo involved in it. But really what it does is it allows us to see ourselves, I believe, in very, very different ways. You know, who are we? Why are we here? Kind of what's going on? What's, what is my purpose? So as we look at these three pictures and we just ask two questions, then we'll be out of here. So let's do this. Let's have a word of prayer. I want us to hit a hot button in our message today. Father, we thank you for this opportunity we have to open your word. We thank you for this place you've established. I thank you for those that are so faithful that are here today. And Lord, I pray that as we examine this, that Lord, you will challenge us with what we believe, how we live our lives, the decisions we make, and what we do. And I pray, Lord, that whatever's done today will be for your glory and for your good. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. First picture here is uh, 1977, NASA launch Voyager 1. Voyager 1 was to go to Saturn, was to go to, uh, was to, go to Jupiter and the outer planets and really study the outer planets. It had been in, uh, working here for, I think, 13 years. Uh, its camera was 34 minutes away from being shut off permanently. It was powered by plutonium, so it's nuclear-powered. And so what NASA did with that last 34 minutes was they literally had Voyager turn around and it took this picture. This picture is us. This is one billion miles past our solar system. This is 3.7 billion miles from our planet. Now let me ask you this. Do you see us? We are a tiny little white speck that is on a beam of sunlight. Do you see it? That picture was taken on February the 14th, 1980. I was, I'm sorry, yeah, 1980. At 1980, I was a, I think at that time, probably in maybe 10th grade. So I was in high school. Matter of fact, this picture was taken at 4.48 p.m. 
So I was probably either with my friends or I was at home when this picture was taken. Now, how many of you, though, you were not even born before 1980? You were technically, I guess that's not you, okay? But But this is the place, I would say this, that we're at. Now, here's what the picture does, though. It shows us a very different view of our life. That really, we are a speck of dust that's floating through space. That we're rotating every 24 hours, we make one complete turn. For 12 of those hours, we're facing this sun that is unbelievably hot that is baking us, all right? Then we turn around and we come on a side that is unbelievably cold and we're cooling off. And we're running this cycle constantly and we're going around this sun And it just seems like that's not the world that we live in. It shows us, I would say, in a sense, how fragile life is. But my question that I'm going to ask us this morning is, how did this happen? The man that actually sent the Voyager spaceship, his name was Carl Sagan. If you watch PBS or if you enjoy studying planets, Carl Sagan is considered to be probably one of the greatest resources on the universe and the planet. The man was brilliant, but the man was a diehard atheist. He believed that all of this was by chance. Here's what he said about this picture. He said, you look at that picture and what you see is us on a beam of light. And it makes it look like we're important. Makes it look like there's a reason we're here. He said, but that's not the case. We're just a speck of dust floating in darkness that soon will not be here. That's all he saw it. And so my question I want to ask is, as we look at that is, how did that get there? And then why is that there? So the first thing we look at is we look at that. The first thing we have to ask ourselves is, is that there by chance or is that there by choice? I mean, did it, did it just happen? That here's this, here's this little speck of dust that's going around this sun and here we all live on here and it just happened. There's really no reason for it. There was no purpose in it. We just, it's just a coincidence. It's just a chance. Or is it a choice where we put here for a reason? And if we were, what is that reason? Now, as we look at this picture here, when we think of evolution, this is probably the picture that we think the most of. We see man coming from a monkey and this monkey evolving and turning into man. Now, the problem with what we're going to look at here is scientifically that is impossible. What you'll find out is that in, in, in any DNA of any animal, it has very, very rigid boundaries. And if that animal mutates in any way, it cannot reproduce. So what we're looking at in the picture scientifically is impossible. But let's just suppose we look at that going from the man to the monkey. That is the illustration I would think many of us think of when we see chance. Now, if I were to tell you, hey, I took a trip to China. I went to Beijing. And I only told you about me getting off of the airplane and walking to my luggage, you know, collection there at the, you know, at the uh, luggage carousel there. That really is a lot what's happening there. Because what that is, is for, for that to take place, it is an unbelievable process that has to take place. Now, let me ask you this. In our society, is this believed? Is there any major university I would go to where this would not be taught as a reason that little blue dot's in the sky? I would say this, is there any high school I would go to in our society that in the science class that this would not be taught? I would say this, that if they were teaching anything else, they would probably be made fun of. The the, the best thing that I would know to to compare this to is the, the story we hear of the emperor's new clothes. Remember, you had to see the clothes on the emperor. Because if you didn't see it, there was two things wrong with you. Number one, you were stupid. 
Or number two, you did not deserve the job that you had. So everybody saw it. Oh, oh, oh yeah, 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 I see it. I, I see it. Until the little boy said, hey, mom, why is the emperor running around with no clothes on? And so what I want us to do here is just look and ask the question, does the emperor truly have clothes on? Could this have popped? Are we just here by chance? Because if we are, it really changes everything. If, if we're here by chance, then we're only here because we want to believe there's a God. We're only here because we want to believe there's a heaven somewhere. We only are here because we want to believe that there's something beyond this life. But if this is true, that's not the case. We're deceived. So as we look at this, let's just ask ourselves this first question. One picture down already. One question. Let's look at this, okay? Now, this is really where we have to start at, and that is at the single cell level here. Because what scientists have to explain in this is how did that get there? Because they, they want to take the monkey, the man, but really we have to take this and take this all the way to all the life forms we have on this planet here, okay? Now, probably one of the best explanations I have under, that I have had explained this that really helped me was a man by the name of Michael Behe. Michael Behe teaches at the University of Minnesota. He has his earned doctorate degree. He wrote a book called Darwin's Black Box, and that's what he does. He doesn't go from the monkey to the man he goes from the single cell and asks this question, can a single cell organism make itself? Can it develop itself? He's going to use something called irreducible complexity. Now, I have to believe in an audience's size that there's people that are making decisions about this. I mean, you cannot watch any show on PBS. You cannot watch any show on the History Channel. You can't watch any of that stuff and say, well, I mean, these people, they write books this thick. They have this many, you know, titles behind their name. Maybe they know what they're talking about. Maybe we really did evolve, but maybe God did it. And so when we look at this, I think this is a very good question for us in our day and time to decide. This is interesting. We are the only major denomination that does not believe in evolution. Baylor University is the largest Southern Baptist college in the world, and they teach evolution. So when we look at this, a question we have to ask is, could that truly have happened? Now, when I was in college, I was in the military, and I actually had to go to San Diego, California. I had to do two weeks there. They allowed me to drive there. So I was in Chicago. I got to drive all the way to San Diego, California. I had a friend that went with me. Uh, we stopped in Colorado along the way, and we went to the, to the Garden of the Gods. And we kind of spent the day there. And then after that, we were supposed to go whitewater rafting. And so as we're leaving the Garden of the Gods, I'm going down this very steep hill. And all of a sudden, my car just cuts off. There's, I'm going down the hill, but there's no power. Everything goes off, which is a, it's a standard. So it wasn't that big of a deal. I put it in gear. I pop off the clutch. But that car would not start. I must have tried that eight or nine times. So I go all the way to the bottom of the hill, and I coast into a parking lot across the street. The car would not start. So I got on the phone. My grandfather was a mechanic. He owned a shop. I called my grandfather and said, hey, here's what happens. I'm coming down this hill. The car just died. It will not run. So I said, I want you to do me something. I want you to take your distributor cap off your car. And I want you to look at this. Now, who in here knows what that is? Let me see your hands. Okay, the old men know that, all right? We're the <laughs> only ones, right? Because they don't have these anymore. This is a, it's called a rotor cap. That rotor cap cut that entire car off. As a matter of fact, he said, is there a dot in the top of that? And I looked, I said, yeah, there is. He said, well, your rotor cap has shorted out. And I said, well, what do I do? Literally, it was Saturday. 
I'm sorry, it was Friday, it was Friday, it was Saturday, Sunday nothing was open, and Monday was a holiday. He said, is there an automotive parts store around? It is literally five minutes till five. I stepped back and looked, and there was one literally right around the corner. He said, you, we're getting ready to close. I said, I need this part. He had one. He gave it to me. I put it in. That car started right up. But here's what you find out. In a very complex machine like a car, one tiny little thing that goes wrong, and it shuts the entire thing down. My engine ran great. My transmission was fantastic. I had all the oil you could need. My tires were all full of air. I had a tank full of gasoline, but that car would not work because one tiny little component that you could hold in your hand that cost $6 did not work and it shut the entire thing down. And what Michael Behe does is he takes that concept, he takes this one organism called a flagellum and he says, how could a single cell organism, how can it evolve into something else? How can it take and how can it make itself and then transition? Here's what he found. Now, this was a man, realize this, this is his own testimony. He said, I went all the way through high school. I went through my bachelor's degree in college. I went through my master's degree in college. I went all the way through my PhD program. And all I ever heard was, this is how we got here evolution. I never heard anybody refute it or say there were problems with it. So that, this is the man that is about to tell us, as a scientist, as a PhD, teaching, here's what I found out. Here's what he said was that it's absolutely impossible for this thing to evolve in any way. What he shows us is that this flagellum, what makes it move, that there literally is a engineered and design motor, he said, that would be almost like an outboard motor of a, that we would put on our boat. And here's what he said, that this entire thing has to be assembled together before it works. You take out one of the smallest parts of any of this, and this thing will not work at all. It has to be designed, it has to be, here's his terminology, engineered, and then it has to be put together. And if you take out any piece of that, it will not work. Here's what he said. It is absolutely impossible for that to evolve into itself. He said this, there had to be an engineer. There had to be a designer and someone had to do this. Now, here's the thing. Michael B., he was not a Christian. He didn't say the God of the Bible did this. Here's what he said. As a scientist looking at it, here's what I see. Now, let me ask you this. Do people in our society look at things not according to truth, but through the lens of what they believe. For instance, the Supreme Court made a very controversial decision this week. They said that all American citizens have the right to keep and bear arms. Now, depending on what news station you listen to, are they going to give a different spin on what the Supreme Court said and did? Yes, if they, if they have a certain belief, they're going to say, well, here's what the Supreme Court said. If they have another belief, here's what the Supreme Court said. There was another extremely controversial decision made this week, and that was that the federal government now no longer validates all abortions. That it's on the backs of the state now to decide whether abortion is legal and when a person can have an abortion. Now, one of the problems with some of these states literally had laws called partial birth abortions. You could literally halfway birth your child. They could abort that child at that point and say that that's okay. 
But yet, the day before that, if a man were to come into that woman's house, rob her house, kick her in the stomach with that baby, and that baby die, he would be tried for murder. And so there was, so the, 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 they said, we're stepping back. Now, let me ask you this. According to what you believe, and here's really what it comes down to, looking through the lens of the Bible or looking through the lens of evolution, does it determine how people see this? Yes. Let me ask you this. Does it determine how science sees this according to the lens that they look at? So here's a man that was looking through, not the lens of the Bible, but through the lens of I'm being objective. This is absolutely impossible. Now, here's what the Bible has to say about that, okay? The Bible says this. In Psalm 14, 1, it says, The fool has said in his heart, there is no God. They are corrupt. They have done abominable works. There is none that doeth good. Psalm 53. He repeats it again. And let me tell you what, if God repeats it, it's important. The fool has said in his heart, there is no God. Corrupt are they. They have done abominable iniquities. They are none that doeth good. Now, what we find out is this. The reason that we want to believe in no God, the reason that we want to look at that and say, oh yeah, that machine created itself is because of the lifestyle we live. See, if there's no God, we can do what we want to. I mean, go out to, to Pittsburgh at some of these uh, pride parades they're having and hold up the Ten Commandments and see how well that goes over. All right? You telling me how to live my life? I have freedom to do what I want to. And that's what the Bible says. And those people are going to say, there is no God. So when we look at chance, here's what we find out, guys. It is absolutely, here's the word, impossible. Now, I know some of you have been taught this. You know, I went to, my public school was very different, all right? My public school, literally, when I went back to visit my public school for the last time, there's a sign above my public school that says, in God we trust. My aunt told me that if you don't do your homework in my public school, they take you in the hallway and they paddle you with the paddle, all right? In my public school in South Mississippi. When I was there, the ACLU told us, you're not allowed to pray before football games. The next football game, everybody walked on the field and prayed. So, I mean, I grew up in a very, very different environment. I was never taught this. As a matter of fact, my science teacher at public school told me he did not believe this. I went to a community college, and the community college teacher said, okay, guys, here's what I have to teach, and I know a lot of you don't believe this, and I'm with you. Okay, and so that's kind of where I grew up at. But some of you, you didn't grow up that way. You have been taught this is it, but I want to tell you, it is not true. It can not happen. It just, it's impossible. So then, how do we get here then? So if it's not, if we're not on this little ball by chance, if, if really there was a plan and the design, the purpose, as B, he said, this great engineer that, that, that did this, well, who is he? And why did he do it? But I would say this, as we look at choice, as we look at these things, I think one thing that we're going to see is we're going to see a miracle. Because if it is supernatural, now, if it's natural, then we can explain it. Natural, we take the laws of science. Oh, well, here's how it happened. Yeah, this did that, and, and here we are today. But we can't do that because it's impossible. So here's what we've got to do. We have to say it's supernatural. But if it's supernatural, that means there's a miracle. And that means we're going to see a miracle. For instance, can you imagine Moses taking the children of Israel out of Egypt? They get to the Red Sea. Moses takes his staff, puts it in the Red Sea, and the entire Red Sea parts. Now, bring every science teacher from the University of Pittsburgh out there and say, now explain to us how that happened. Would they be able to explain that away through science? Well, uh, you know, what happened, here's what they'd say, 
we can't. <laughs> because here's what it is. It's a miracle. So here's what we're going to see. If it is choice, there's going to be a miracle. Now, here's your second picture of you. Now, here's what's amazing. It looks almost identical to the first picture. Do you see you? You are in a drop of water next to a dime. And you look almost identical to that little blue ball that is floating out in space. As a matter of fact, to understand the size of me and the size of you at this point, this is us compared to a grain of salt. So this is how we all started. Now, do you see a heart in there? Do you see a brain in there? Do you see a liver? Do you see any enamel for teeth? Do you see bones? Do you see any of those types of things in that little dot that's there? Because what happens is, once that egg is fertilized, literally within a few days, it starts doing this. It turns into two cells. And then it turns into four cells. And it goes on and on and on, I would say this, until it makes this. Now, let me ask you this. Is that a miracle? Can science explain how that just happened? That this egg, this, somehow this egg knew that it was going to make a heart. So, so through, through natural selection, it happened. I mean, when you look at that, the body that this little guy has, its eye can see a candle at 27 miles. It can hear and differentiate, differentiate between... 30,000 different sounds. It can see with its eyes over 1 million different shades of color. Its voice is, has the capacity beyond any musical instrument that we can create. If it cuts itself, its body heals itself. And let me ask you this. Is that showing us the miracle? So I would say in our and our challenge today, one thing I want to say is we have to make a choice about that. Because if we look at this like Carl Sagan did, listen, who was an extremely intelligent man through the, through the lenses of, uh, just, just happened, just happened. We're going to have a very different view of life. If we look at this and say, it didn't happen, somebody did it. Now, here's what science, here's what this, the cell doesn't tell us. Here's what all this doesn't tell us who. But here's what it tells us, somebody. Now, I would say this. If there's, a, if there's a crime scene or something happens, we're always looking for evidence, right? Now, when I was growing up, what you, you, know, you want to make sure, now, not that I did these things, right? But you want to make sure you didn't leave fingerprints on the cr crime scene, right? You know, always wipe your fingerprints down before you leave, right? Because it shows you were there. And here's the thing. I want to show you what I believe is God's fingerprint in all of this. He's going to lead this, and listen, it is going to shut everyone's mouth to say he's not there. And here's what it is. Every living thing on this planet has a DNA that tells exactly what that is to be, exactly how it's to be made. Now that DNA compacts itself into 23 chromosomes in the cell, but when it gets ready to divide, it is so much information in that DNA that when it puts itself together, it's over six feet long. Now to understand just the size of the DNA, Imagine this entire 28-acre 28 camp, 28 campus here is a cell. This gymnasium would be the nucleus of the cell. The DNA inside of that nucleus would be the size of one of these chairs. 
And there's so much information in there that we can't even read it. We can't even understand it. I mean, I'm building that greenhouse out there. I cannot believe how many pages of blueprints I had to get to get that, that greenhouse built. We're getting ready to build, to build the, our, our auditorium out there. I'm telling you, there are going to be hundreds of pages of information on how to build that. But, I mean, this would be tens of millions of pages. And all it is is four proteins, A and T, C and G. And they go together in what really appears to be a musical pattern. And we look at that and we say, oh, Pastor, that's just all by chance. We have to make decisions about that because I'm going to tell you, it determines how we live our lives. And in our society right now, here's what they're saying is, oh, oh, no, no, chance. Why? Because I want to live the life I want to live. Now, as we look at this, as we continue on here, the uh, the Bible talks about this. Here's what it tells us here as we look at this. Psalm 19.1 says, The heavens declare the glory of God, and the fermentation showeth his handiwork. Day unto day utter speech, night unto night showeth knowledge. There is no speech nor language for their voice is not heard. Here's what the Bible says. You go out in creation, it is constantly talking to you. And here's, here's what the science class is always saying. The science class is always saying, there is a God. There is a God. There is a God. Now, the science class doesn't tell us who he is or what he wants. But there is a voice always speaking saying there is a God. I was teaching junior high science one time, and we were talking about the uh, Luna moth. Okay? How many of you have ever held a Luna moth? Any of you guys like that? Okay? Just a few of you. Okay? Luna moth is it's a, a beautiful thing. And so I was talking to the students about it in class, and I said, you know, I, I've, I've never seen a Luna moth. I said, you know, if we ever get one, we'll bring it to class. That's what I said, right? That was like on a Tuesday. On Wednesday, I came to, to school, and there literally is a Luna moth setting on the handle of the school door that I have to open to come in. Just sitting there. <laughs> now, let me ask you this. Do you think God wants us to study his creation? Do you think he wants us to know him? I mean, listen, here's what we, here's what we say when we study it, all right? We can't understand him. We can't know him. Why would he ever, ever care about us? That's what science tells us. But the Bible tells us very differently. But here's what the Bible tells us. I am always telling you I'm there. But now here's the question. But Pastor, Ozzie, what if I don't believe the Bible? What if I don't believe the Bible's true? Then, then that's not, okay, okay, you make a good point. Okay, there's a creator out there. But how do I know that it's the God of the Bible? How do I know that he's the one that did it? You know, if you look at one thing, just the prophecies just of Jesus Christ coming. Now, when I was growing up, my parents used to buy the National Enquirer, okay? They didn't just buy the National Enquirer. They bought every one of those magazines you can imagine, the National Globe. And I mean, literally, we had those things all over our house. And it was, you know, some aliens whispering in the ear of the president and everything else. But I remember they would do one every year. It was the top psychic predictions, you know, I forget the person's name, Jean somebody. She was like the top psychic. And here's what she's predicting. And she would predict all these things were going to happen. She would predict like a hundred things. And then, you know, next year it'd come out. Here's the three things that she got right. Isn't she amazing? <laughs> but what is it not telling us? The 97 things she missed, right? And see, here's the thing with God. God never misses anything. He is always right. 
And when we study the prophecies just of Jesus coming, you can't look at that and say, that is supernatural. Guys, it goes on to tell us that while he is dying, that they are going to cast lots for his clothes. I mean, that's what it tells us. 351 prophecies about him. There's a prophecy given about a city called Tyra. God is angry at this city called Tyra, and he tells them that his judgment's coming. He uses a he-they judgment in Ezekiel chapter 26. He tells them he is coming, and he tells them it's Nebuchadnezzar. Nebuchadnezzar comes and does all these and destroys the city. The problem was that they had an island off the, off the coast of Tyra, and when these armies would come, they would literally take everything and go out to the island, and nobody could get to them. They were fortified. And so Nebuchadnezzar did that. He destroyed everything. He left. Tyre came back. They rebuilt the city like they always did. They were very wealthy. Alexander the Great wanted to worship in their temple of Hercules. And so he asked, and they said, no, you can't. So he said, yes, I will. So he came, and here was a prophecy that was given about Tyra. They're going to tear all of their buildings down, and they're going to throw it in the ocean. Then they're going to take plows. They're going to plow their dirt all the way down to the bedrock. That's what God said was going to happen, which seems impossible. What would you even do with all that dirt? Why would you go through all the effort of tearing all the stuff down and throwing it in the ocean? See, here's what Nebuchadnezzar uh, found out was they were safe. But here's what Alexander the Great said. I'll get to them. Here's what he did. He tore all their buildings down and built a bridge out to them. But there wasn't enough. So what did they do? They plowed all the dirt and they built a bridge out and defeated that city just like God. and that had never been done before in the annals of warfare no one had ever done anything like that but alexander the great did exactly what god said he was going to do so here's the thing when we look at the bible it is a supernatural book what the bible says is true so we look at creation there is a creator there is a designer we look at the bible there is a god that is true and he says it is speaking to us so when we look at that, here's what the Bible tells us. It says this in Genesis 1, 1 and 3. In the beginning, God created heaven and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness fell was upon the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters, and God said, let there be light, and there was light. It tells us in Genesis chapter 2, 7. And God formed man from the dust of the ground and breathed in his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living soul. Here's how we were designed, the Bible says that God literally, like we would take Play-Doh or we'd take clay, God formed and made us. But here's what's different about everything else that God spoke into existence. The Bible says he breathed into our body the breath of life and that we became a spiritual being like him. You see, the cats and the dogs and the fish, they die and that's it, but not us. We have a life beyond this life because God gave us his spirit. But not only does it say this, it's very interesting, God tells us this, because I'm sure he realizes the day and time we'd all live, and God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him. Male and female created he them. God made two genders. God made a man, and God made a woman. And that's what the engineer, and that's what the designer did. So when we look at this, and we say, okay, someone did it. Who did it? There's only one person that claims to do it. Read the read Buddhist text. Read the Hindu text. There's no God out there that claims to do any of this stuff. Why would he do all this and not let us know? Why would he put us here and just say, figure it all out? He put us here and said, now I've given you a book that says, here's what I want from you. 
Now, as we continue on looking at what God says here, he goes on to say that we have to have, our second choice is this, if that's true, if we really are here by choice, and the Word of God is true, there's a God, and here's what He wants me to do, here's how He wants me to live, then let me ask you this, what are you going to do? Because really we have two choices now. Are we going to live by chance and say, well, I'm just going to live the life I want to? Uh, maybe God likes this, maybe He doesn't. Are, are we truly going to say, okay, He put us here. He has a plan and design, and all of that, we're going to find out He purchased us. I want to serve Him. Now, there's people in this room, and I would say this, that, that honestly, you've been taught in evolution. I just want to say, when you look at it, it can't happen. But when we look at God's Word, it clearly tells us how we got here. But not only that, there's people in this room that you're Christians, you're followers of Jesus Christ. But there's people in this room, I have to believe, that you've never made that decision. So as we look at this, here's my challenge to you. What do you do? Now, let's all do this. How many of you would say with me, to say, Pastor, that's me. I mean, I made that decision. I am a follower of Jesus Christ. Let me see your hands. Put your hand up for me. I would say that's the vast majority. But I have to say, as we look at this, that that can't be everybody. Now, all I want us to do here, we have some Bible verses we want to look at. And again, we'll be finished here quickly. But I think what we're looking at is very, very important. Genesis 3, 6 tells us this. And so when the woman saw the tree was good, a food, that it was pleasant to the eyes, the tree to be desired to make one wise, she took with the fruit thereof, and did eat, and gave also unto her husband with her, and he did eat. Because here's the problem with this whole good God creation thing, then why is there so much evil in the world? Why is there so much bad? And here's what we find out, that here's what God does. God put man in the garden and said, I'm giving you a rule, because that's what God does. God says, I'm God, I'm giving you this rule. Everything is here but that. That's mine, and here's what he said, don't eat it. Well, the Bible says that Eve was deceived. The word that they use is the word beguiled. She was taken. I don't know about, have you ever been beguiled before? Has somebody ever taken you? And I mean, you just, I mean, you went in head first in this thing and you were totally deceived. That's happened to me before. And that happened to Eve. But here's what happened was that she took that fruit then and she gave it to her husband. Her husband was not deceived. There was no snake talking to her husband. There was simply a woman giving him a fruit and he could look at her. And by looking at her, he could know exactly what was going to happen. If I take that fruit, and if I eat that fruit, what God says was true. It's going to happen to us exactly what he said. Was, our eyes are going to be open. We're going to know good and evil, and we're going to become sinners. Now, I have what, why I think he did it. But Adam took that fruit, and he ate of it. And because of that, we're all condemned. As a matter of fact, the Bible tells us this in Romans chapter 5. It says, Wherefore is by one man sent into the world... And death by sin. And so death passed upon all men for that all have sinned. Many people I talk to, the thing they struggle with the most about this whole concept of choice is, well, Pastor Ozzy, why is the world so evil then? I mean, you, you look at what they're doing in Ukraine. You look at the Holocaust. You, you look at child trafficking and the horrible things that are happening. But listen, that is a choice we made. We turn from God. And here's what's happened. So as we look at the world we live in, it, it's evil. But it's not evil because of God. It's evil because man chose to make a decision. But not only that, as we look at this, God gave a law. God gave rules. Matter of fact, in Exodus chapter 20, God, give the, God gave the Ten Commandments. Is the Ten Commandments an issue in our society today? 
Oh, yeah, yeah. Matter of fact, Valley High School was just required here recently to take the Ten Commandments out. At, a, at a Columbine High School in Colorado, they took the Ten Commandments out the year that the two boys that massacred all those students in the school were in kindergarten. Those boys went through the entire school system without ever one time having to look at the Ten Commandments. Here's one that I think would have been very fitting for the time. Thou shalt not kill. It is very interesting because I ask people that are opposed to having the Ten Commandments in the school, so which one is it you're opposed to? What is it that you want students doing that it says not, do, not to do there? But here's the problem, guys. It's a rule. Remember, we don't like rules. I want to do, hey, it's, choice, it's chance. I want to live my life. Don't give me a set of rules saying, here's what I'm supposed to do. That's, that's who we are. But here's what Galatians tells us. Now, it's funny, in, in, in uh, uh, Exodus 19, God has given the, the commandments in Exodus 20, but in Exodus 19, he says, now listen, guys, here's what's going to happen. I'm going to give you the commandments, but will you follow them? Will you obey me? Will you show my character to those around you? Because the other people there, they were not living this life. Will you show people what I'm like? That's what it was. In Galatians 3.24, it says this, Therefore the law was our schoolmaster to bring us into Christ, that we might be justified by faith. And, and the law is the character of God, but understand this, that really, in giving the law what God was doing, God was showing us that we can never be good enough to save ourselves. God was showing us that there's no good life that we can live. Here's the thing. None of us in this room will be saved by our works. There's none of us that will stand before God and God says, why should I let you into heaven? Well, I, man, I went to church every Sunday. I did this. No, none of us will do that. Here's what the law does. The law condemns every one of us. The Apostle Paul said this, I thought I was so righteous. I thought if anybody could make, I was the Jew of the Jew. I was the most righteous of the righteous. He said, but what happened was when he read, thou shalt not covet. It slew me. Oh, man, I... I I broke the law. And the law is like a chain. There's 631 commandments that are listed there. We, we just studied the first 10. But here's the thing. You break any chain and everything fell. Everything falls. And so what we find out is that God has given a law. But here's what happened. Christ came to complete all that for us. Christ came to live that. Let's look, at our, uh, let's look at this here. This is really, because when we look at Christ and who he is, because really the, 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 the conversation is, do we follow Christ? Do we do that? Is he truly who he says he is? Is he truly God? Luke chapter 2 is the, is the proclamation the angels made about Jesus when he was born. It says, the angel said to them, fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be unto all people. For unto you this day is the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. So born that day, the angel said this, the Messiah has come. That's the, that's the proclamation from the angels. Now remember, they had to take him then to the high priest, and he has to be uh, there. Uh, and uh, uh, remember, they're going to pay the two pigeon, the two turtle doves here uh, to, to, to go about his sanctification there. And realize this, the nation of Israel rejects him. But notice what the high priest says. So this is the, the high priest of the nation of Israel representing the nation, in the temple, the high priest, is, as Mary and Joseph are bringing uh, Jesus in here, uh, and notice what, what he says. Then they took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, uh, lettest thou now my servant depart in peace according to thy word, for my eyes have seen thy salvation. 
which I have prepared before thy face of all people, a light to lighten the Gentiles and the glory of thy people Israel. Here's what the high priest says. Our Messiah has come. That's who Jesus is. Jesus, the Messiah. Now, here is somebody that is not a Jew, and this is somebody that's not an angel. Matter of fact, this is the person that's getting ready to kill him. So the Jews bring Jesus to Pilate, and Pilate really is going to do everything he can to get out of killing him. Matter of fact, John 19 tells us he's afraid. He realizes he is weighing over his head with this person, and he does not want to do this. And so he's doing everything he can to get out of it. But the Jews will not live. Matter of fact, they say this, if you let him go, we're going to tell Caesar that somebody declared to be king, and you wouldn't do anything about it. That's what they told Pilate. So Pilate, if you let him go, you're in trouble. So here's what Pilate says to the Jews. And it was the preparation of the Passover and about the sixth hour. And he saith unto the Jews, behold your king. So here, okay, Jews, listen, your Messiah's come. There he is. Jews, there he is. What do you want me to do with him? Then he goes on to say this. They cried out, away with him, away with him, crucify him. Pilate saith unto them, shall I crucify your king? Okay, your Messiah, you want me to crucify your Messiah. As a matter of fact, he's going to have a, on his, uh, on his uh, cross there, Jesus, King of the Jews. And remember the Jews say, no, say, no, he said, no, no, I am saying what I say because your king came and you crucified him. Herod killed all those children to get rid of him. The, 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 the shepherds came and told the story. Everybody has heard about him healing people, about raising people from the dead, about walking on water, about feeding all these people. Your Messiah came, and this is what you want to do to him. Okay, crucify him. But I'm washing my hands. I'm, I am clean of this innocent man's blood. That's what Pilate said. So here's what we find. Everybody that comes across him says this, God came in the flesh. Jesus Christ truly was the Messiah. Hey, listen, we're here by choice. God created us. He put us here. He gave us a set of rules we can't live by. We were condemned. But he sent his son, Jesus Christ, to come that we might be justified and made right with him. Now, my last slide is this, because this is the last time that we see ourselves. But we, again, see ourselves here a little bit different. Hebrews 9, 27, 28 says this, it's appointed in a man once to die, but after that the judgment. So Christ was once offered to bear the sins of many, and unto them that look for him shall he appear a second time without sin and salvation. Here's what it says, and this, this verse really as a young man gripped me. It's appointed in a man once to die, and after that the judgment. So here's what we all have. We all have a date with death. My daughter, who's here, worked in Concordia. She came home one, she came home one evening after work and said, Dad, explain this. She said, I'm at the, we're at the desk there, and this man gets out of his bed and comes to our desk. And she said, Dad, he never gets out of his bed. So he came over, and he said, you need to help the lady across the hallway. She said, there, there's, a, there's a, a person in there in a black robe leaning over her bed, and she needs help. And so, you know, they took him and they thought, well, he's hallucinating. So they take him and they put him back to bed. And on the rounds, the lady was fine. They went in her room and found out the lady had just died. And so Annagale's question was, Dad, what was that? I said, honey, I don't know, but I know this. Everyone in this room has a date with death. You know, I'm 54 years old. I'm supposed to live to be 71. Ladies, you're supposed to live to be 79. That's 16 years from now for me. 
I showed up here 22 years ago, and it seems like it was just yesterday. And I have 16 years, and listen, I am going to stand before the Lord and give an account for my life. Now, here's our last picture. Revelation 4, 10, 11 says this. Matter of fact, Matt sang this song here that goes right after this in Revelation 5. The four and twenty elders fell down before him and sat on the throne and worshipped him that liveth forever and ever and cast their crowns before the throne, saying, Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power, for thou hast created all things, and for thy pleasure they are and were created. Revelation chapter 3 ends the church age, the age of the Gentile church. They're raptured, they're taken up, they're called out, as the Bible says. And they're in heaven here. And they have what we believe is a seven-year marriage supper of the Lamb. These are the people that are there. John's seeing us in the future. And he tells us a song that we're going to sing and something that we're going to say before the throne. That thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power, for thou hast created all things, and for thy pleasure they are and were created. Listen, that's us. Now, right after this is when they bring that seal out and they start looking for somebody. And when they finish that seal... This world goes back the way that it is. The Bible says that the knowledge of God covers the earth like water. Nobody, every school will have the Ten Commandments in front of it. Every class will start with prayer. Every time a governmental office meets, they will open God's word and say, how does God want us to make decisions here? But that's not the world we live in. Here's my challenge to you. Number one, God put you here for a reason but we can't meet his standard. He sent his son to take your place that you can become a child of God. He empowers you to follow him. But one day, this little ball that we're going around on is going to come to an end for us. As a matter of fact, Carl Sagan, the man that did that, he died 16 years after that picture was taken. He's in, the, he's in a graveyard somewhere today. Now, if you were to ask Carl Sagan, do you believe in God now? I assure you, he would say, now I do. But listen, it's too late. So here's my challenge to us. How are you living? Do you truly believe that your life has purpose? Do you truly believe your life has meaning? Do you truly believe you're here for a reason? Are you serving the God that put you here? Are you serving yourself? Because here's what I want to do. I want to make sure when I'm there one day that I look and say, I serve the God that had a plan and a purpose for my life. Now, I'm sure in that day, in Revelation 4, I'm going to say, oh, boy, I wish I, wish I would have been more faithful. I wish I, would have, I wish I would have been bolder in my stand for him. I wish I would have spoken up more. I wish, I wish. But let me tell you what I have the opportunity to do for the next 16 years is to serve him. So when I stand there, I'm ready to give account of my life. Let me ask you this. Do you want that also? Father, we thank you for this opportunity we have as we, as we open your word, as we look at the truth of it. Father, we realize that you put us on this planet. Lord, we realize that you have a plan and a purpose for our life. And a part of that is our faith in Jesus Christ. That you came down in the form of man, that you lived a sinless life for 33 years and you died vicariously on the cross for me, not for anything that you've done. And Father, if there's anyone in this room that, that has not put their faith in Jesus Christ, I, I pray today will be that day that they will not leave this room unless they have made that most important decision. Am I a Christian? Then, Lord, those that are here today, I pray that you will challenge us. Lord, we live in a world that is turned upside down. We live in a world that is turned against you. But, Lord, you've called us 
to be the voice. You've called us to be the, 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 the written epistle known and men of all, read of all men. And I pray, Lord, that that's what Harvest Baptist Church will be. I pray that you will empower us in this time to take a stand to be that light. Father, I pray that you will continue to watch over our church. I thank you for those that are here. I pray that you will continue to see over them and their families. Now, Lord, we pray that you will continue to work in this church and the life of this church. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Listen, thank you for your attention. At this time, we are going to have our... our, our, uh, uh, announcement video here. We're going to do that. And then as soon as the announcement video is over, you are dismissed. Thank you so much for coming today. Good morning and welcome to Harvest. We hope you've been enjoying the sunshine and the beautiful days this week. Thanks for choosing to spend today with us. We're so grateful to worship together as a church family. And if you're new here and you'd like to meet some of our pastors, make sure you stop by the welcome desk after the service. They would love to get to know you. We are privileged to be hosting a community blood drive here at the church on Friday, July 8th from 12 to 5. For every one blood donation, you can help save up to three lives. Make sure to register at redcrossblood.org under the Harvest Baptist Church's blood drive. And thank you for participating in whatever way you can. We are excited to host a special guest speaker, Brent Gellos. He will be teaching a workshop on Sunday night, July 3rd from 6 to 8 entitled What does a New Testament Christian do with the Old Testament law? If you want to grow in your knowledge of the Bible and dive deeper into study, make sure you come out and join us. Just so you know, nursery will be provided. This summer, we are looking for volunteers to be part of an evangelism team. As we go to community events such as Mingle on Main in Saxonburg, or Fridays on 5th in New Kensington and the Pittsburgh Pirates home games to distribute gospel tracts. If you're willing and able to hand out a tract and even possibly engage in a gospel conversation, then you are a great fit for this outreach. On Friday, July 1st from 6 to 7.30, our evangelism team will take the gospel to PNC Park. If you're interested or you'd like more information, please stop by the welcome desk. Lastly, don't forget our annual Vacation Bible School Week is coming up in just a couple weeks. Mark your calendars for July 11th through July 15th from 9 a.m. to 12 p.m. Make sure you stop by and pick up one of the yard signs so you can let everybody know about VBS that's happening. You can register your kids ages 4 through 6th grade online, and you can also register to volunteer to be a part of this great week of fun and faith. We are glad to have you with us in church today. Remember to connect with us on social media so that you stay connected with all that's happening in and around our church. And you can also get some valuable information on our website at harvestbaptist.info. Church, we pray that everything that we've done today has brought God glory and encouraged your hearts. Have a great week.